It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Culture Gaming. I'm Scott, joined by Josh. Hello, Scott. Josh, my friend, the PlayStation 5 flying off the shelves. We're going to have a general conversation about the state of the generation so far. But this was kind of inspired by the fact that there are some numbers doing the rounds in regards to how successful the PS5 is doing. Um, as it's set in records, it's had the best month in console history. It's currently outpacing the PlayStation 4, if you compare the, uh, the time periods in terms of the uh, PS4's first few months. And the PS5 has sold 90 million um, units in the fiscal year that ended back in March 2023. Um, and all of this happened across... Uh, alongside all the distribution issues alongside all the pandemic stuff and whatever um, Sony said that their target was to hit 18 million units which at the time was a big old deal um, and they managed to outdo that by 1 million so that's worth clarifying that um, and I kind of want to just have this conversation on does the generation finally start now we put a question out over on the Twitter just see if people you know are they disappointed by the generation so far I've seen that sentiment pop up quite a bit on social media yeah. and we had a lovely response to it I, you know, we sort of said we have to record in a couple of hours um, but a lot of people sort of send things in so um, a quick thoughts Mr. Josh before we dive in well first off it's really like impressive to see that number especially mm. like you said with the distribution issues that hit pretty much all of the consoles over the last few years mm. that was finally sorted out towards the start of this year so it's really exciting in that sense it does feel like the generation has suddenly become more accessible to people who can finally pick up these machines yeah. at the very least with them being in stores mm. uh, it also also should be mentioned that while they are more hesitant to release numbers Microsoft's machines also seem to be doing really well yes. not quite Sony numbers but then they haven't necessarily ever done Sony numbers in the past mm-hmm. but it seems like the console space is in a healthy space at the moment with yes. both big companies that have released next gen machines doing really well in getting those out to customers however does that mean that the generation itself has been a success <laughs> that's kind of the thing so I think I for me I, we'll, we'll, we'll pick this apart um, as we go now the first person who uh, replied to this tweet was our own Michael Sidgwick one member of the Dadleys over on What Culture Wrestling fellow Hangman Page lover um, <laughs> who I very much join up with um, Sidgwick says as a deeply casual and ignorant gamer I haven't heard a buzz of a single title that would make that would convince me to buy a new gen console at those outrageous price points much less a movement of any kind I demand something truly revolutionary for that outlay um, it's also worth throwing in here uh, Brian at UK GN said got both the PlayStation 5 and the Series X at launch and the PlayStation is barely touched these days played mm-hmm. everything or play everything on the Xbox handful of good exclusives Returnal, GC7 Gran Turismo 7 and Astro's Playroom It's but it's been very disappointing even the missus a PlayStation fan girl has suggested we trade it in after Final Fantasy 16 what? 
changing the tone in this you, video. You'd miss Spider-Man 2 if you <laughs> traded it in after Final <laughs> Fantasy 16. No, it's interesting, right? Because especially when, I don't know about you, Scott, but yes. when we talk to people who aren't gamers in the office, like the great Michael Sidgwick, or people <laughs> uh, that outside of work who aren't gamers, they're always saying, like, what is worth the money? And I yeah. think the price point in particular is understandably a huge sticking point. It was a huge sticking point before we got into an economic crisis and the inflation was rising and we just had a cost of living crisis, at least in the UK. Uh, so now when you look at a new game and a new game is 70 pounds mm -hmm. and you look at a new machine, which is hundreds and hundreds of pounds more expensive than the kind of previous generation, I understand people wanting to be impressed. And when it comes to that, kind of area of games impressing us on a must-buy level. There's only really been, in my opinion, Elden Ring that's felt like a mm. completely insane mainstream hit of you need to play this game because it's a 10 out of 10 and you're missing out if you don't get it. There's definitely something worth saying about games that have released in the new generation window like Elden Ring or games that are fundamentally only playable on newest systems. That's the thing where I can absolutely agree. I don't necessarily feel actively disappointed by it but I do wish there was something and I said this in the Xbox video from a couple of days ago but I wish there was something where you could say you need a Series X to play blah or you need a PS5 to play whatever and like obviously the PS5 the Series X will do better versions versions of something like an Elden Ring, but it's not like you're really out of pocket if you play that on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. Um, a lot of people, and we'll get to these people, um, you know, talked about the idea of a lot of the generation feels like we're playing upgraded versions of past-gen games, which does make up the majority of what we're playing. Um, but I think there's a whole thing about the design of those games. It still doesn't feel like we've really given into the um, the dream of the next-gen, the idea of minimizing loading altogether and designing games mm -hmm. around zero loading or whatever it is. Um, I do kind of feel like we're yet to see something that is like, oh my God, that could only work on a PS5, or that could only work on a Series X. Um, and a lot of hope that that's Starfield. But yes. And on Trust Bethesda, so... My yeah. stance on this, before we jump into more questions, yes. just generally to answer the question of, do I think it's been a disappointing generation? Mm. My answer is no, absolutely not. He's good, isn't he? Does... He's good. <laughs> <laughs> I try my best, I really try. However, when it comes to the question of, has it been an amazing generation? I would say no. Right. We are still waiting for those big games. It's just when I compare it to the PS4 and Xbox One era, I think people forget how long that took to kick in, especially when it came to the first party exclusives. We were waiting on Sony in particular forever. We had yes. some really good um, installments here and there. I really liked Infamous Second Son, but we were waiting until you know 2016 for Uncharted 4. We were waiting until 2017 for Horizon, 2018 for God of War. It took them ages to get into gear. Mm -hmm. Whereas at least this time around, we had Spider-Man Miles Morales out the gate. We had Ratchet and Clank. We had Returnal. We had God of War Ragnarok last year. We had God, uh, Horizon Forbidden West last year. That to me is already a better starting point than where that company was. And similar to Xbox, while they haven't had a great output, mm -hmm. you have had Game Pass, which is an excellent uh, reason to keep uh, playing on their machines. They've had a lot of indies. They have had some um, upgraded versions of past games and compared to where they were in 2013 or 2014 when that company was pretty much on fire and were releasing like Rise, Son of Rome and Quantum <laughs> Break, I think we're in a better place than that. It yes. has been delayed getting into the meat of it because of the pandemic, you know, just delaying a bunch of games. Mm -hmm. But I think looking forward to this year, I 
think it could be make or break to decide whether it's going to be an amazing generation mm-hmm. overall because there are so many games this year that are next-gen exclusives that have potential, and I'll get into those in a little bit, but I'll let you talk because I, I ramble do... a lot. No, I think you make some really good points. I think the crux of this does come down to comparing time windows with what they do with that tech because the examples you gave there, like Forbidden West or whatever, are available on previous-gen systems. I think that's going to yeah. be the crux. At least that's the crux for me. I think that's how uh, people interpret the question of, like, is this generation a disappointment? Um, as Has the hardware been made use of? Are you glad? you spend the money on the system or whatever um, I feel like it kind of comes down to that to some degree because the generation yeah. like that is bang on like we've had some phenomenal games here's where I bring out my list I've got a list <laughs> of next gen exclusives for, for, for this year yes. that I think will make it make a break so we've already had a, a few of them we've had Dead Space at the start of the year we got Forspoken which nobody liked we've just got Jedi Fallen Order we had High Fry Rush a few months ago as well just got Burning Shores we've got Redfall coming up you got Final Fantasy 16, you've got Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, you've got Starfield, you've got Spider-Man 2, you've got Alan Wake 2, and you've got Tekken 8. All of those are next-gen exclusives, and I look at all of those, and while some of them have already disappointed and some of them might disappoint to come, Mm. I just feel like that's a good next-gen lineup for three years into it. For me personally, Mm -hmm. I, I think that those games there while not all of them might hit, there are some that have the potential to be system sellers, especially when it comes to Starfield, and especially when it comes to Spider-Man 2. I feel like one of the biggest things at the minute is that, oh, right now, in terms of the conversation of is it a disappointment or whatever, is that you don't have those immediate counterpoints. You have to look to the future. You have to look at the assumption that it's going to kick in. And it is completely valid to bring up the way the previous generation rolled out, because it was, uh, it took until 2015 before the really big hitters landed on those systems, the Witcher 3's, Metal Gear Solid 5, Fallout 4, obviously, devices whatever but a lot of people love it um, it took a couple of years for those things to come in um, and if you map that across to now then it means that this is the year that everything kicks in so a lot of the people saying you know like obviously that's why we mentioned all the console sales uh, now that they're more available is this when the generation finally starts um, yes for the most part like mm. it does kind of feel like you have to wait for the future um, but I think overall um, that whole question of you know, how big the generation jump was, the amount of different things that we're playing that feel like upgraded versions of past games. To some degree, that's all they could do because of the pandemic, because of the delay, yeah. whatever. Um, but like Josh says, there are so many things to look forward to. Another one from uh, Missy the Achievement Hunter, who says, not sure about AAA games as I don't play much of those, but the indie titles are doing so great and it's awesome that they get more of the spotlight on consoles as well. You can find just as much, if not more passion in those games. And in general, they release with less bugs. This is really worth highlighting, um, especially because you mentioned Game Pass before and the general sort of push that Xbox have done into giving you a swath of curated games every month. If you just love gaming as a medium, Game Pass is by far, like we always say, the best deal in the medium. You will get some great games every month and you might not get those big AAA ones, but you'll have some great things to play. Yeah. Um, You kind of will get that passion invested in those titles that you probably grew up with if you played stuff across the the 90s, the 2000s, when budgets were smaller, team sizes were smaller. And that idea of passion or soul in a game um, is very much stripped out of some of the stuff that's at the AAA level. The Suicide Squads, the Anthems, whatever. Um, I think that's very much worth saying and that the indie thing, the indie space is, uh, it can be a safe haven from a lot of the problems that we have with the bigger stuff. Absolutely. And I fully agree with that sentiment and I'm going to say something that's going to hurt me personally right now. (laughs) While that is true, is that a reason to spend all of this money on a no, next-gen machine? You know, not. we were talking about our Michael Sidgwick's beforehand. We were talking about our friends who are looking for a reason to jump into these consoles. Mm-hmm. And while I absolutely adore owning these machines so I can play the likes of, you know, Tunic or Immortality or recently playing through Dredge. Dredge is so good. Dredge is so good. All of these great games, that 
justifies the investment for me and maybe a lot of other hardcore gamers out there, but if we're talking about why are these machines worth it, quote-unquote, mm. to a wider audience, they want those big AAA yes. um, lushly produced spectacles. And I do agree with a lot of these comments saying, you know, we haven't quite had that yet. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I'm not writing it off at all because I, I, I hope and I pray this is the year when we finally get them. By all accounts, Jedi Survivor is a really um, solid experience. Mm. Dead Space was incredibly next-gen, absolutely love that. Mm. And like I said, you know, Spider-Man 2, Starfield and stuff look to be, hopefully, proper next-gen showcases where people on the outside will look and say, I want to play that. How do I play <laughs> that? Oh, I need to buy this machine. I'm going to save up for Christmas. I think it's a weird, it's sort of like the idea of what a console gamer is or what the gaming what the gaming space offers to the average person. It's like, well, I buy this kit and I can play the best games possible. And then the, the, that sort of invisible agreement has sort of changed a little bit where we're still buying the systems. We're still trying to keep up with the consoles and everything. Um, but it's not that those the previous system wouldn't have been able to been able to play those games anyway. And the ones you just mentioned, Tunic Immortality um, yeah. or whatever, the vast majority of them will work on a phone these days. Like you don't need the system for it. And that's where the agreement kind of falls down because I feel like the, on the console side, on the manufacturing side, first party, whatever it is, they've, like I said, they've not held something up and go, you know that thing you bought? This is why. Yeah, yeah. And they've, they're yet to do that, especially if we're talking about, um, you know, like just sheer graphical presentation or whatever. And then you have the likes of the launches that come with bugs or even Jedi Survivor. Like, you know, EA have said they need to fix that for the next few weeks. Like, yes. There's all yeah, that yeah. stuff. It's like, can you guys not get this right? Like Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. 
Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Again, though, again, and, like, this is not me saying we should settle for less or anything. Has that not always been the case? We've always had some big spectacles around launch, and then it's always taken a good few years for the kind of most lush video games to come out and Mm -hmm. really harness the power of their machines. I still think that even if you're looking at other years without a pandemic that happened, right. you'd still have to wait the amount that we've waited right now before you sure. get those truly next-gen feeling games that I'm sure will come with, you know, Unreal Engine 5 becoming more um, adopted and whatnot. I just think that this is the standard kind of Waiting rise. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're like, you're on the roller coaster, you're going to the peak, you're about to drop <laughs> down, and it just takes a little while to get there. Again, mm-hmm. maybe de- video game development should have sorted this so-called problem by now, yep. but I just, when people say it's disappointing, I also think it's not necessarily unique to this generation. No, it's not, and I think that, like, yeah, that's not our problem. I feel like if you're going to offer something for an insane price point, yeah. and then we buy into no, that, yeah. like I said, almost invisible agreement, um, there is an assumption of something coming after that will justify that price point, because they are luxury items, they are, you know, they're high-end items. Um, throwing in here um, the response from Mikey CFC who says I think expectations are too high and not enough time is used to appreciate what we do have. Uh, games are rushed to review without really taking them in and games are compared to others way too fast. Example being Gotham Knights. Not a Batman Arkham quality game but give it a chance and it's enjoyable. <laughs> Turns out I'm Mikey CFC I think I wrote this to myself. Um, I do love Gotham Knights but um, that's an interesting thing the whole idea of like the the conversation around gaming and obviously it's very easy to compare it to when we played games as you were growing up maybe you had a circle of entire circle of friends who's played everything through with you so there's way more conversation going on about specific titles across the year that everyone's talking about um there is that thing though about you know game pass or subscription services sort of turning the faucet on and just having everything available and um, which is a problem we talk about it in the office quite a bit in terms of like how that's in it an issue or a talking point with media overall it's mm. like do you want an entire catalog of something um, and you've got your disney pluses your netflixes your amazons whatever and there's just so much stuff and it's like i think there's so much stuff um, conversation is happening everywhere at the minute and it's like there are too many things to get to that's it no, I fully agree with that I just well, I would go back a little bit and mm-hmm. talk about like the games that we have got yeah. because when I look at the my last three years in the video game space yeah not all of the great games I've played will be next gen exclusive mm-hmm. but I've played a lot of great games in the last <laughs> few years man some of my favourite games of all time have come out like I said just last year alone Elden Ring incredible mm-hmm. God of War Ragnarok incredible Returnal incredible I know there are a lot of PlayStation games in there, but then you go over to the Microsoft space and you have those indies. Immortality, incredible, one of my favorite games ever. And it's like, 
we've been eating well. Like the joke True. in the kind of office that I've been saying to you for the past week is, I'm eating too well. <laughs> I don't have time for breaks to I'm digest full. the yeah. food because this year especially, you know, I've personally gone from Dead Space to Resident Evil 4 to Dead Island 2 to um, Burning Shores to Jedi Survivor into Zelda. <laughs> and those are all back to back to back to back yes. without any kind of leeway in between. And they're not all true next gen, no. but they are all playable on next gen or most of them are. Yes. And the, you get the best version of them on next gen uh -huh. and there are some true exclusives in there and I just think there have been great games <laughs> no I don't, I don't think anyone's denying that there's been yeah. great games to me the argument is you could have played every single one of them on a previous system like you don't need the new systems I think that's the crux of the whole thing at least that's what I would hang it on in terms of just saying that I like all of that stuff I would have loved it on PS4 or Switch no, or whatever it was it's, it's all your valid argument and this will this is definitely when we get down into like the nitty gritty <laughs> personal preference because yes. I've seen how Resident Evil 4 for instance looks on the last gen machines mm. and I'm sure it's still a great game but performance wise I personally <laughs> wouldn't have loved playing that version mm. and I'm very privileged to say that because I own a PlayStation 5 and can play the PlayStation 5 mm. version uh, but that said you know I would have felt like I was missing out a little bit. Same with kind of um, God of War Ragnarok, for instance, or mm -hmm. especially something like Spider-Man Miles Morales that does make use of the SSD mm -hmm. in a really um, interesting way. So it's like, yeah, but that kind of gets down to the question of then, like, who are the early adopters for these mm -hmm. kinds of machines? Are they for the people who appreciate the more granular differences, the ability to play something at 60 frames per second, for instance, mm -hmm. compared to a locked 30 with slightly, you know, lower resolution and worse graphics and stuff on the past gen machines mm -hmm. or is it you know for everyone mm -hmm. for everyone to say okay this is why you bought it this is why you know a, a, a man buys it for their son mm -hmm. and this is why it's great this is why everyone's talking about it at school for me the first years have always been for the early adopters right whereas that stuff kind of naturally comes later. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's fascinating. I think that we've almost all become PC players without realizing it because you have to go looking for the granularities and obviously they're not always granular. Um but you're very right. I think that if you want to get the most out of the systems you have to have a bigger investment in gaming overall. You have to know yeah. what you're looking for. And um, whether it be the weird Tress Effects hair stuff that's in Resident Evil 4 um, or ray tracing or whatever it is. Um, that is almost who the, who the consoles are for, at least right now. Um, and that's kind of interesting because um, that's kind of the PC conversation, get the latest graphics card, be able to turn on all the different sliders and everything else. Um, I think that's an interesting pivot point when that was already the conversation of what is a console player versus a PC player yeah. um, and trying to bring the two together like the likes of Xbox are trying to do. Um, final reply from Shane slash Blobby46. Big bad blobby. Um, he says, don't think gaming has had the extraordinary leap that we expected the big tech to bring, but I feel like the biggest disappointment is repetitive game design in the AAA space. Yeah. Everything feels so samey. Um, I think this is a good excuse to just talk about how safe the, the very upper echelon has become, and it kind of needs to be because the amount of money that's riding on it um, means that they have to have all these bankable elements, all these different things. And um, We have a video that just went out. Um, by the time you see this, it'll be Thursday night or whatever. Another Thursday would have changed based on time since then. But we had a whole video on why AAA games keep bombing because there are so many similar issues that pop up across the board um, and it feels like the same thing's about to happen with Suicide Squad. Too many live service elements, too much of a homogenized approach to game design, etc. Um, and this is one of those things where the more money invested, the more they need to guarantee the return yeah. and the less likely the risk will be taken. That wasn't the case in previous generations, especially the PlayStation 2 or the, you know, the 2000s and everything. There was way less money riding on it. Now the industry is just exponentially bigger. So if you want games like that, they're almost entirely in the indie space. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with this one, to be fair. I yes. think, to be fair, since the last generation, I think we've seen the rise of this trend and that's only gotten worse as the years <laughs> have worn on mm -hmm. with the kind of risk averse 
universe and publishers pumping out games that play incredibly similar mm. and now certain genres are completely tired by this point like you said just look at the reaction to Suicide Squad mm. in that kind of live service framework feeling incredibly outdated and unliked but even in my beloved first party Sony space I can look at the likes of Horizon and even God of War from a gameplay perspective mm -hmm. and think I wish this took a few more risks I wish these felt a little bit more distinct I wish they weren't following the kind of Sony first party mm -hmm. formula in the way they are I will absolutely agree with this because we've talked again uh, you know, in podcasts, in videos, in the office, about whether we're kind of being left behind by AAA mm. games. You know, we've seen them evolve so much, and we've seen them evolve and innovate in areas that aren't necessarily for me. You know, the big right. innovation of the last gen, in my opinion, was the birth of live service titles. And while there are some of those that I really enjoy, mm -hmm. as a general trend, it was almost as if the AAA space was trending away from what I loved in the first place and I just think that has constantly gone in that direction and only has been exacerbated by this generation as well continuing those trends in a lot of cases and not necessarily introducing anything new I mean we talked about this in another video but I think there's a reason that some of the best received games over the last year have been remakes Dead yep. Space Resident Evil 4 Metroid, um, Prime. Metroid Prime and then remasters as well The Last of Us Part 1 really really good but mm familiar things and a return to a familiar thing rather than giving us something brand new. I am so curious whether this approach is working for the mainstream. Obviously there were big sales for the likes of God of War and Horizon, um, but I just wonder, like I wonder about the likes of, you know, Burning Shores, the DLC, it's just more Horizon. Um, you know, do you want some more of it? Here's some more of it. Pay some money, get some more of it. And I, I think that some of the um, changing approaches to what a sequel should be or what a DLC could be or whatever, I think those are uh, fascinating to have. We did like an hour podcast on all the worthwhile points of God of War Ragnarok, and that was now entirely about the story and the thematics it wasn't yeah. really about the gameplay and um, because that was the the part of that game that was the most more of the same like god of war's biggest risks are all in its character depictions and its thematics and everything and i think that's fascinating i wonder if that's working like i said you see certain sales numbers but then when certain companies try and be too safe and try and give you too much of what they think you want it completely flips back the other way and um, so i think this is an ongoing thing yeah but i think a lot of people recognize the safety in the space god, um, we, we, yeah. we've made about five different videos in this video we've touched on a bunch of different themes and talking points but I think even if we're not talking strictly about remakes and remasters, we're still in a kind of retro era, for lack of a better mm. term. You look at the games that are coming out, and you know you have Assassin's Creed Mirage selling itself entirely on being a back-to-basics yeah. Assassin's Creed game. You've got all of these titles that are kind of aping styles that have come before, or are kind of trying to reignite your nostalgia for the quote-unquote glory years of their respective franchises or maybe even gaming in general and I think that's interesting that when we're not getting a distinct remake we're getting games that kind of remake the stuff we love mm -hmm. look at X Defiant that's been getting a lot of buzz yep. recently mm -hmm. but it's been getting a lot of buzz because it looks like an old school Call of Duty. <laughs> it's not doing anything necessarily new, and I'm not mm. knocking the game for that, but it's interesting that the trends we're kind of reintroducing, we are reintroducing, we're not, like I said, branching out to something brand brand new, which mm. is not necessarily a bad thing, but I can see why that would make people think, well, where's the new stuff? Yes, I feel like that is across the board. I saw two announcements very recently for a Kung Fu Panda 4 and for a Dodgeball 2. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what are we doing? People who are greenlighting these projects, they had their time. I love Kung Fu Panda trilogy. It's one of the best trilogies ever made, but I don't necessarily need to have another one that was tagged on that wasn't planned in the first place. So I, I feel like that issue is across the board. I yeah. feel like a lot of companies, at the, like I said, at the upper echelon, they need the safe bet. 
what's the safe thing, the bankable property that already existed, um, and it's like, or the bankable mechanic that already existed, let's just do another one of them. And the idea of what used to be associated with the tech space, which was chasing new ideas and you know, chasing new gameplay mechanics or whatever it is, is kind of just put on the back burner because they need to make sure they make the money back uh, first, rather than saying, well, how are you actually going to do that in, mm. uh, in, in terms of the gameplay and things like that. At least that's where, where I would come down on it. Um, but yeah, massive thank you to everybody for replying to the tweet, for sticking with us for the whole video, and let us know what you think down in the comments below of the generation so far. For now, I've been Scott from Culture.com. I've been Josh from Culture.com. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Phil Spender. <laughs> hey, Phil Spender. Hey, Phil Spender. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.